I just heard this the other day, and it was like totally rocking. The biggest lie. We're talking about the church, and I've been on this thing, you know. You guys know I've been talking to you about the church, and, you know, the reason why I believe, and, you know, it's just so evident why the power of God doesn't come down in our services because of, of the way the body of Christ is living, you know, and, and it just, it totally makes sense, you know, how can a holy God be in the presence of sin, you know, and so I was just listening to this man preach, and he was just like right on it, I was like, yeah, I was like, he knows what I'm talking about, and it's just, he was talking about the biggest lie the church has told the world, has told us, has told just the unbeliever. The biggest lie is that all we have to do to be saved is, is ask Jesus to come and live inside of us. You know? And that may seem like, you know what? You know, what do you mean? That is the biggest lie because, my goodness, there's so many times when we go out in the streets and it's like, do you know what it, what it means what, what it means to be saved? Do you know what it means to, to live a Christian life? Oh, yeah. You know, I said a prayer one time. You know, I remember doing that in youth group. It was like, my goodness, that's not what it means to be saved. That is the biggest lie. The fact that we have, we have made it seem like all you need to do to get saved, to receive eternal life is repeat after me. You know, a sinner's prayer. You know, that the fact that we have to go out into the street and, and just like, man, we just want people to get saved so bad. And, and we just want them so badly to say that prayer, you know, to, to say, Lord, I repent of my sins. Come and live inside of me. And that's it. But you know what? That is wrong. That is so, so wrong. First of all, there is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. You know, that's something that we have made up. And it's just an absolute, absolute lie. From the pit of hell. It's just, it really is a lie because it gives you a false sense of security. It really does. You think, okay, well, I say this prayer and I'm good to go. You know, here I go, continue in sin, continue in the ways that I was before. And there is absolutely no change at all whatsoever. There's no fruit. There's no transformation. There's no love for God. There's no connection. There's no understanding of what it really meant for him to die on that cross for you. You know, and that's the biggest lie that the church the church has told you know so many people want to go out on the streets and they don't want to make enemies and they just they want to do what's right they want to go out and they want to spread the truth but it's a lie when we go on the streets let's come with truth let's come tell them you know what if you don't accept jesus christ into your life it's hell for eternity it's your soul and that's what it is it's, it's not a game it's people's souls that are at stake here you know when i heard another pastor say one time which is it just blessed my heart the church is made up of three different types of people, all right? We got the believers, we got the unbelievers, and we got the make-believers, all right? Isn't that good? That's good, right? So we got the believers, and that's, you know, that's a lot of people. That makes up a good part of the body of Christ. We got the believers, you know, the ones, we just have so much faith in God, and yet we may doubt sometimes. You know, we go through our times, we're like, God, where are you? You got the unbelievers. They're true. They're straight up. I don't believe in God. You know, I'm coming here. My wife comes. I'm coming here because my sister asked me to come. You know, they are true. They are straight up with you. Then you got the make-believers. They want to come into church. They want to clock in their time. It's Sunday. I got to go to church. You know, they want to make-believe they're okay with God on a Sunday. They want to make-believe that, you know, I'm going to come. I'm going to put my tithe in. I'm good. You know, I'm going to work in this ministry, and I'm good. 
You know, it's like I'm serving God. I'm doing something for him. He owes me something. You know, that's make-believe. Make-believe is then taking things from the Bible, applying it to your life. Pick and choose what you want to believe. Pick and choose the scriptures that apply, that make you feel good, that give you goosebumps. That's the make-believer. You know what? And there's so many of them in the church. So many of them. There's so many Christians that will run this race, that will look cute on a Sunday, that will, that will say the right thing, that will speak the right language, Christianese, what we call it, you know, that will say the right things at the right time, but they will lose their crown. They will lose it in the end. If we can turn to Revelations 2.1. Revelations 2.1 is the church in Ephesus. This is scary. My goodness, when I read this, it's like, my You know, what else do we do? You know, it says to the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Let me read that one more time. I know, this is Jesus speaking, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. People are persevering. In this church, I know you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name. See, they're being persecuted. They're enduring and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. My goodness, there's still more that Jesus wants from us? Where am I? Oh, it says, yeah, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Come on now. People are enduring. They're persevering. They're pushing. They're working hard for Jesus. Yet they lack one thing. And that's the people in the church. That's, I believe those are the make-believers. They want to come. They want to push. They, they act like, oh, my goodness, I'm doing so much. And, and, you know, they complain like, man, like, like I work, then I have, to do, I have to do ministry. And it's just like, you know, they want, it's a show for everybody. They lack one thing. They lack the love. They, lack, they have forgotten the things that God Almighty has done for them. Now let's turn to the other church. Revelations 2.18. I can't say the name of this church. Thyatira. To the angel of the church. It's these are the words of the, of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, again, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel you call, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have... I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. Come on now. People are working. They're pushing hard to do the things of the Lord, but yet they lack things. And that is the make-believers of this church that we are allowing to be here, that we are just 
that we're letting them come. And so many pastors, they do it because they want huge congregations and they want to make a name for themselves and they want to do the best that they, that they can. And all they know is just big and big and more and more. And that's it. And they think that's the best, you know, and they want all the t- They want tithes. They're afraid to shine light in places of darkness. They want tithes and offerings. You know, they want the big cars and they want this and they're being selfish and the churches are made up of make-believers. And you know what? It's the believers' fault who are not going after this and saying, this is not right. This is not the church that God Almighty intended to be. We need to get it right, people. We need to preach the right gospel. We need to push people to be all that they can. Because in the end, all that matters is what we did for the Lord. All that matters is our faith. In God Almighty and what we did for the Lord. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter if we have the biggest building in the world. If we have 100,000, yet we lack the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. My goodness, we need to preach the right gospel. When we preach the gospel, we need to tell people, you know what? It's going to be hard. You know what? You're going to hurt. You're going to have to push. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to shed a few tears. We have to preach the gospel the right way. Matthew 3.1. When John the Baptist came, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is. Okay, good job. When Matthew, um, when Jesus came, is near, good job. When, when Jesus came, Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is. Okay, in Acts 2, 38, I'll say this one. Peter preached, repent and be baptized, all of you. What is in common? What's the common thing here? Repent, repent. Can you guys say that with me? repent we need to do what do we need to say a cute little prayer no do we need to come to church every single sunday no because you know what plenty of people are coming to church every single sunday and they have not what repented they have not repented for their ways for the sin that they have in their lives if you are in this place and someone has told you come to church and be saved that's wrong it's come to church repent of your sin get right with god search your heart Repent and be saved. You come to church to be filled. You come to church to encourage one another. But we need to repent. We need to get our heart right. We need to get rid of the junk, the nastiness that's in our heart. Repent and be saved. When we go out on the streets, we need to preach what? Repentance, 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 okay? Ephesians 2.8, it says you are saved by grace through faith, okay? I know that it's not our deeds. It's not our actions that save us we are saved by faith alone but you know what it didn't put in here it's where does it say faith without deeds is where does it say that in james 2 26 i believe james 2 26 it says faith without deeds is dead how can i tell somebody that i love them that i want to be with them all the time, yet I'm going to treat them like crap. You understand what I'm saying? When you come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you say, I love you. You understand the things that he has done for you, and you want to be around him all the time, and you want to love him and worship him, and you want to do the things that he has called you to do. That is why with our faith comes the good deeds. With our faith, let me tell you something. Faith plus repentance equals a transformation in your life. That is salvation. Say it. Faith plus repentance equals a transformation. It is salvation. That's it. I cannot just say, I repent, Lord God, of this sin that I've done, yet go back around and do it again. There's a transformation that comes. 
a transformation that needs to be made. Let me tell you, if you guys can turn to Acts 9, Saul's conversion. This man was transformed. This man persecuted the church. This is the transformation that needs to take place in our lives. The minute that he came and had an encounter, here, let's read it. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Saul has an encounter with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. An encounter, many of us have had these encounters with him. Many of your, your friends, your family members have had them. When he has this encounter, he falls to his face. He understands, see, if you keep going, he understands the things that he has done is wrong. And immediately, transformation comes. If you turn, here, I'll turn with you. If you keep going down, in 9, 9.20, it says, Saul spent several days, several days with the disciples in Damascus. After he, he got, he had his encounter with God. He went on, he took him to this place, and he came to the disciples. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come, hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. By proving that Jesus is the Christ. Not only did this man persecute the church, okay? He wanted them dead. He wanted to get rid of them. He has an encounter with God. He repents of his sin. He knows and understands what it means to be saved. He knows and understands the, the, the need to be saved to meet change, the need to accept Jesus, the need to preach the gospel to a dying world. And yet, then people want to persecute him. Then people want to kill him. People are astonished that he has changed. People see immediately that something is different about him. See, this is a conversion. This is a transformation. This is what happens when you come to meet Jesus. Immediately you change. Immediately you want the world to know who he is. You want the world to know. It's like God is giving us this gift, and we're denying it. We're denying it, and the people who know about this gift don't even want to go out and share it. And you know why? It's because I believe that we're we're make-believing in the church. We make-believe, and and we pretend, and it's all here within these walls. And you know what? It's not because the Holy Spirit goes out with us when we go out through these doors. And it's time that we start preaching the gospel the right way. It's time that we start seeing people transform, fall to their knees, be broken before the living God. Truly understand what it means to be saved by grace, the undeserved privilege to have a relationship with the living God. We need to understand that we don't deserve anything but hell. We should be condemned, damned to hell. But Jesus Christ loved us, so he gave his life for us. 
We need to preach the gospel. Can you say that? Preach the gospel. We were not called to be friends to this world. Let the world hate you. People wanted to kill him immediately. Immediately. Why are we so worried about making friends? Why are we so worried about sounding right? You know, always, you know, walking on tiptoe. Or in, how do you say that? On eggshells. You know, we're not called to be that. We are called to shed light, to raise up leaders, to raise up youth to raise up young adults, to raise up mothers and fathers who will lead another generation up to live for the king's glory. That's it. We are not called to be anything else. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we die to this flesh. That is the decision that you made. The day you accepted him, you died to your flesh. Nothing else matters. Our desire and our passion Guys, let me tell you, your passion should be to preach this gospel everywhere you go, not just on Fridays, everywhere. That should be your life. Your life should be a mission trip. Your life should be a mission trip every single where you go. Dunkin' Donuts, when you go to Target, when you go to the doctors, to the dentist, when you go to your family's house, everywhere we go, preach the gospel. Ask the Lord God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, to guide you, to lead you, because the world is dying. And you hold the cure. The world is dying and you hold the cure. And that is Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ alone shed blood for this world. Shed blood for you. Shed blood for me. And we need to go preach it. Can you say preach it? Preach it. My goodness. My, we need to see our churches packed. We need to see people be healed. We need to see people get transformed. Change from inside, not from the outside. Outer appearance counts for nothing. We need to preach the gospel for his glory and for nothing else. Not for numbers, not for money, not for glory, not for names, not for titles, but for God Almighty, for Jesus Christ. He's worth it. He is worth it. The least we can do is bring glory to his name when we go out. At all times, let his light shine. Let's pray and we'll break out into prayer.